There's a reason why most cult leaders isolate their followers in jungles and forests in remote parts of the country to keep them away from their family, from friends, from media. Um, They depend on that in order to assert their supremacy over their followers. It's a very interesting story that's being told in the historical evidence of American cults Cobbles, Corruption, and Charismatic Leaders. Jim Willis was our guest in the first couple of hours. And you can go back and listen to that with Coast Insider. Strongly encourage you to do that. But if you just hang on for a second, we'll be back with more open line calls, too, on Coast to Coast AM. This is Ian Punnett. Open lines. We'll get it started back up again with Mike in California on Coast to Coast AM. Mike? Yes, uh, Ian. How you doing? I'm doing all right. Where are you going to take us? Uh, well, I would like to start with, uh, you did an interview last week with uh, a doctor who had uh, talked about uh, JFK's medical. Yeah, uh, had broken yeah. down his, his, his medical history in, with regard to pain. Yep. Yes. No, I would like to compliment you. You did an excellent interview because there was a lot of information to get out in a really relatively short time of, that yeah. you did really well. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, it, he was an easy guest. He was great to talk to. And, uh, I mean, it helps when you're like an internationally recognized expert. Because like then yeah. he was just get right to the point with every answer. It was terrific. Yeah. Yes. No, he was a good person, like you said. I, I agree with yeah. that. You had an interview, I think, a week before that. And I would hope that you can get him back. It was uh, the great-grandson of Sitting Bull? Yep. Yeah, uh, Ernie. Yeah, Ernie Lapointe. Yeah, he's terrific. I'd love to get him back on. Yep. I I I guess it's a little bit hard, but you know, um, I I'm part Irish, part Scottish, and of course us Irish. I don't know why we have this. Uh, we I mean the Native American, and we just seem to. I, and I married a woman that was uh, with divorce too, but um, that was half Native American. And, uh, she was Cherokee and Blackfoot. And, of course, my kids are 25%, and they did a little studying on the Native American uh, way of life. And uh, I don't know. I uh, would like to do more myself, so I would hope yeah. one day that you get them back again because, uh, yeah, he was very interesting. He was great. I really enjoyed talking with Ernie. I'd love to work with him again. Yeah, and, boy, that's weird because, like, Irish and Native American, and you're kind of like – on either sides of your ancestors, you're kind of screwed, no matter what, right? True. <laughs> Irish had a raw deal too going on. <laughs> so I agree with that. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I look at the Native American. I, I don't prefer to call them Indians because I think that was a name that was thrown on them. Right. The Native American. I don't know. I would like to find out, but it seemed like they lived a very free life. They didn't need a constitution like us to guide them to what freedom would be. And uh, I almost think of them as maybe a possibly what, when you read, because you've studied the Bible, Adam and Eve, and this was possibly the Garden of Eden. Yeah, no, I think that's an interesting point. Yeah, Yeah, living closer to the land like that. And remember what I asked Ernie about that, because I've known so many people who are Native American, they say, don't call me that. I'm a native Indian or they want to be called just American Indian or whatever. But I, I, when I asked Ernie that, he said, I just only call me Lakota. And I thought, well, dang, that's 
super simple. <laughs> that, yeah. that sure yeah, makes sense. I'll just call you that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know it's sort of hard sometimes. I, I, I never. I grew up in a in a neighborhood full of color, so I didn't know what racism racism right. was until I became a teenager. And, right. And uh, you know, I, I I sort of interest myself. I'm older in different cultures, and uh, my son lives in Japan. And uh, oh, that's you know, interesting. Yeah. He's learning a lot, isn't he? Yeah, living in... he, he used to teach. Uh, now he's becoming a band member. I can't believe it. Oh, fun! But, uh, yeah, he used to teach them how to uh, the, the fast course on English. Oh, fun! Well, good. Well, I hope the band goes well. Let me know. Uh, contact me through Twitter. Maybe we can play a cut of his on Coast to Coast. We'll go get rolling here, just so I can get some other people in. But I enjoyed that a lot. Thank you, Mike. Steve is in Florida. First time caller on Coast to Coast AM. Steve. Well, your knowledge of, of music is, is really extensive compared to mine. But there's groups that I grew up with that this horrible group called the 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 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is just disgust me when I <laughs> see it because these are the groups I grew up with. Okay. Asia. Yep. Okay. Have you heard of them? Uh, this uh, su- supposed super group, but sure, yeah, free heat of the moment. Okay. Yep, yeah, soul soul survivor. I like that song, by the way. Uh, then the band survivor. Yep, Jim Peterick. Yep, yeah, Kansas. Sure, Ario Speedwagon. Eh, Boston. I like Ario, but that was yeah. <laughs> I kind of threw that in there. Ario is one of those bands that, to me, had a lot more promise than eventually. I mean, they just became a ballad band. You know, they just became a corporate. But yeah, I'm sorry. After the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, where they're considered, I don't know if you would consider them soft rock, but they're on the verge of rock and roll. All those groups, not one of them is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But people like Dolly Parton is. All the Jacksons are the the percent when I in during COVID I looked up the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and sat there right. and I said and I was very loose on what I would accept as a rock and roll group. Only about two to three percent of the groups in there are are actually what I would consider even moderate rock. Yeah. Okay, but hold I mean, on. So there's a different yeah, but let's be clear. Thing that they do. But there's a difference between rock, which is like, you know, some of those bands that we talk about were rock, right? And that they were, and and other bands, and certainly like the J5 or other people, they were, they were soul or they were R&B. But that, there would be no rock and roll without soul or R&B. So I think the fact that there is a constant inclusion of soul and R and B artists into the pantheon of the of the Rock Hall of Fame, that's acceptable. I really do. I strongly encourage that. However, there are a couple that I I do shake my head at and I go, "What?" Because there's so well, many other true. great bands that aren't in there that should be. Well, Dolly Parton was one of the, and she got accepted in last year. She tried to get out of it because she says. I'm not rock and roll. I'm trying to right. work on a rock song. And the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, like Little Nazi, says, you're not backing off of our list because you have no no option in that. You're on the list. Right. 
Yeah, I can't so, account for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I mean, sh- some of that, no doubt, is to attract people. Some of it may be also what's considered sort of like roots performers. And I don't even know what their criteria is for that. But there's plenty of bands. I mean, even, I mean, you don't even mention the Doobie Brothers, right? Or. Oh, uh, they did make it. I saw them on the list. So they were they on the list for this year because they weren't. Oh, maybe they oh, were last the year. I'm just yeah. in the past. I mean, yeah. those groups that I name, I grew up with. And yeah, yet, well, me too. I consider them somewhat rock and roll. They don't make the list, but you got people like Janet Jackson, Stevie Nicks. Oh, I. Roxy yeah. music, the Zombies. Oh, Roxy All music for sure, though. Before those groups. Well, I think maybe some of this is you're, you have a narrow definition of rock. You have a, well, let me just say, you have a more narrow definition of rock than I do. I would put Roxy Music in there in a heartbeat. Lo, you know, Love is a Drug is is just every bit a great pop rock song is anything that came out of that same era. So, you know, I, I do, Houston? what's that? Whitney Houston? But again, so now we're talking about ballad singers, pop ballad singers. Are we going to keep those out? Are we only going with the standard, you know, blues structure, three chords, you know, kind of blues structure? Are we only doing that? Because that's a very small room. And I mean, there's a lot. I'm with you to a point, but we can't. I mean, Asia should, Asia could qualify, but Bachman, I would put Bachman Turner Overdrive in there before I put Asia. Okay, how about I put Badfinger in there. Survivor? How about Kansas? Yeah. These aren't like one night, one one hit wonders and stuff. They did a lot of hit songs, and yet we see people in there with one song. Okay, but see, the one song part doesn't bother me if it was a hugely influential song or sound, like Blue Cheer. You know, I think Blue Cheer is one of those bands that absolutely deserves to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for the way in which they influenced other people. So we'll leave it there for now. But we, you and I, we could probably spend a whole night arguing. But I do think, I mean, you just we just have to accept that there are other aspects to rock and roll other than the straight, and I'm saying this with all the love in my heart, but the straight white boy rock suburban sound of the 19... 19- 70s and 80s fair enough i i would accept that if it was 50 50 but not 97 that art rock i see but then i think that's it comes down to your definition again so yeah maybe you're right i'd have to i'd have to do a, a quantitative analysis of my own but i i know this years year by year there's a few clunkers on the list for me, but I I kind of see why they're justifying it. But it's not it's not ninety ten in any or ninety seven three for that matter. Although I think I worked there, ninety seven three. Yeah, I think I did. Uh, Mark, east of the Rockies in Nebraska on coast to coast AM. Mark. Yes, Ian. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, <laughs> I would like to add to the list, if it's not there, and my question is, is it there, uh, the Spinner's Rubber Band Man. Oh, okay. So before I put in Rubber Band Man, I got to put in money 
from the spinners, right? Don't you have to do... Well, it's the OJs. That's the OJs. Never mind. Uh, no, Rubber Band Man is not on there. Uh, it, I, I read pretty much the whole list. You can go look it up. and But, yeah, so, like, that that's what you're saying should go into the Recording Hall of Fame, Rubber Band Man. Oh, definitely. I, I can just, you know, if you were to broadcast that into outer space, I can just see aliens. Anybody that listens to that song is going to start tapping their feet and start moving. I, in my opinion, that, that's uh, I'll accept think. that. I'll accept that. And then I, then I'll stand by what he said though, too. I, I still think the OJs for the love of money is a much cooler tune, but I'm with you. So we'll go with that. All right. Wayne okay. is hanging on patiently in Tacoma on coast to coast AM. Wayne. Sir, Eon Punnett. Hi. I like How the you title doing? you're giving yourself. Yeah, the Deacon of the Dark. <laughs> the yeah. Deacon of Dark. Yes. Yeah, that's silly. It's well, yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll remember that. <laughs> uh, where do you want to take us? Well, I was going to rant and rave on um, what they call a standard um, uh, landlord inspection because I know oh. that uh, standard landlord inspections are illegal. Now, the only reason a landlord oh. is supposed to come into your apartment is for, to fix a problem. Doesn't that go state by state? Uh, well, that's a good question. I haven't gone into I, I went. I, the military is the one that clued me into this. Oh, this is interesting. Go ahead. Yeah. So anyway, uh, that's what I was. That's I made an initial call, and that's what I told Tommy. But then I hung up, and I called him back and said, no, the guy that talked about angels, you know, is just so parallel uh, to my experience. Uh, um, I'm not, I don't know if you've heard my story before or not, have you? I think I have, but what okay. what, what was the point you want to make? I, I mean, well, I, I'm willing well, to go with that. It's the fact that, it's the fact that uh, you know, this was totally unexpected. Uh, I was on a journey to kind of find myself and talk to God. I'd been in the military service. I was in the hospital. I almost died. Um, uh, came back, um, uh, uh, and while I was in the hospital, you know, really for the first time in my life, I, I really read my new Testament all the way through in about four or five days, mm-hmm. you know, and, and God's word really spoke to me. And, 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 uh, so because of that, uh, I, you know, uh, called a friend and I said, Hey, let's, you know, let's go up to the mountains and camp and spend the night and, uh, and, 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 uh, talk to each other and talk to God and, and, uh, see what happens. And, uh, so I called, you know, and, uh, he said, okay, you know, so in the last minute he chickens out, wouldn't go. So I went, went by myself, you know, and I, I'm not an outdoors guy, you know, I'm totally unprepared. Uh, wasn't wearing heavy clothes, uh, had a light down bag, very light, light down bag, and went to um, Mount Constance, which is in the Olympics, and the, uh, cl- uh, did the climb up to Lake Constance there. And it's it's a, like a, a, a four to six mile climb. It's considered the hardest climb in, in, in the Olympics. And uh, so I, you know, I'd been there once before my brother and friend took me up there. So I knew the trail, you know, and it was like almost 45 degrees all the way up very hard climb and i got up there and it was just starting to get dark because uh, it took me an hour to get up there and uh, the sun was going down and uh once i cut past the tree line 
it was all ice and snow. And I wasn't expecting that. And then I got up. There was a tree right up on the edge of the crest looking down on the lake. And where that tree was, there was one spot about, I would say, 20 to 30 feet in diameter, bare ground. So what do I do? I just, uh, you know, it's really getting cold. The clear sky, and this was in about May of, uh, April or May of, of 66. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I put on, I had all my clothes on, so I, and it was getting cold, so I got into my down bag with all my clothes on, uh, covered up. And uh, boom, I went to sleep because I was so tired, exhausted from climbing that climb. And within 10 or 15 minutes at the most, I hear this noise around me, clomp, 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 clomp. And that wakes me up, and I stick my head out. And there's a bright moonlit night. And I could see 15 to 20 very ragged, shedding um, mountain goats with the horns, the twisty horns. You know, And, and I just... Oh, What's going on? And I was just real dead tired, and I just yelled, you know, yelled at them, and they scattered. You know, I oh, good, now I can go to sleep. And I stuck my head in, in the bag again. Less, uh, less than two or three minutes, the ghost came back again. Clomp, 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 clomp. That went on all night long. And by the time the sun came up, uh, 5, 30, 6, 30 in the morning, <laughs> Uh, I, you know, I was dead, really dead tired. I got, uh, uh, threw all my stuff in my, my backpack, you know, you know, hobbled down the mountain really fast. I mean, it was way fast, 10 times faster than going up, got to my car, uh, twisty road all the way down to the main highway 101. And I got onto the highway and within two minutes, I fell asleep at the wheel. And that was the first year that Washington State put the little bumps in the middle of the road. So those bumps really woke me up and saved my life because I was headed toward the edge of the far edge of the road that would have taken me right down into the Puget Sound. A very right. steep hill. So I said, just a quick prayer. I said, you know, after I, I had the instant wake up, I said, Jesus, you're going to help to help me get home, you know. Jesus, take and, the wheel, uh, I believe. Yeah. Well, w- within a minute, within a minute, uh, there were two hitchhikers. Hmm. So I picked up these two hitchhikers, you know. I'm going to have about 40 more seconds. I want to hear the end of the story. but Okay, okay. Well, uh, you know, uh, so I, I, I was going into Olympia, and about uh, about five miles outside of Olympia, uh, they said, oh, we can get out here. And nope, you know, there's nothing around. There was no excess, nothing. And, it was again, it was clear clear ground, cow-grazing mm. ground with no trees. So I let them out. I look out for traffic early in the morning, no traffic, pull out, look back to wave goodbye. They weren't there. Hmm. Well, that's very, so where do you, you classify that as an angel or a ghost story? I think it's an angel. Okay. I'll go with that. Uh, and, uh, and that's what will set up our last half hour. Then it, he had to wait a while. Wayne did to get on the air. Hope you can get on faster. We'll give you the numbers next on coast to coast AM. All right, so Greg is in North Hollywood on Coast to Coast AM as we try to get everybody in before the top of the hour on open lines. Go ahead, Greg. Hi, and I enjoy the program as usual. Thank you. I've been listening to Coast for a long time and uh, hear a lot of the stories about angels that you're talking about tonight. And I don't, I'm not familiar with your take on it. Uh, do you believe in angels or do you just believe in like an experience that 
could be related to angels? Well, I don't. When you say believe in angels, what do you mean? Well, this, these people are talking about somebody. Well, even George talks about uh, somebody showing up and then helping right. somebody, and then uh, they're not there anymore. And, yeah, and that's frequently the same motif as ghost stories. Yeah, so that's why. Uh, well, I mean, I. I it's always a little weird to try to differentiate between the two on that. And that's theologically, it it doesn't make sense that, that we become angels. So, I mean, there's a, there was a short list of angels. If we, if we look at the, the Christian tradition and that's it, you know, we're not, they don't make new ones every day. No, well, from books and uh, authors, I've heard uh, some of them say, oh, there's like 500 thousands of angels out there and right but to the ones that say there's maybe one assigned to each of us but yeah extre- mine's extre- sleeping on the uh, job i wonder who it is that they get fired <laughs> hmm, I don't know. but i i related a story to george at one time uh with an experience that i had which to this day i can't yeah you know, I, I just accept it and move on because my life has been with many uh, angelic experiences. I sure. Well, if it's short, I'd love to hear it. Go ahead. Yeah, I'll keep it short then. Uh, it was happened about 13 years ago or so. I was sitting in my apartment and uh, uh, I'm in Los Angeles, so there's a lot of things that I could be doing, go to a concert, go to a movie, whatever. This one night I said, I'm going to go out to a bowling alley nearby. It's one of the very few neither here in the valley. And go play pinball for a while. Oh, fun. I've always played pinball as a kid, and I knew they had the arcade there. So I picked up and went to the bowling alley at about 10 o'clock at night. As I entered the bowling alley doorway, I spotted a wallet uh, just laying on the uh, carpet. And lots of people have been going past it and in and out, so they'd never noticed it. So I, I saw it. Picked it up, looked through it for an ID, took it to the desk, said, can you call this person? He's lost a wallet. They made a call. Nobody came for it. It was attached to a uh, restaurant, this this establishment. So I went to the restaurant, had them call. Nobody showed up. Uh, Then I found a card with uh, somebody must have given the guy. And I called the person on the card, which was our local police department. And he was probably a rookie uh, kind of... Uh, okay. We're going to run out of time, though, and I want to okay. get to the important part. So go ahead. Okay. So I said, well, forget it. I'm going to mail it to the guy or whatever. I went. I said, I'm here to play pinball. Stay there till 1 at night or 1 in the morning. Um, took off to go back home. I had $1 left in my pocket. I said, maybe I'll go play the lottery or something like this. Said, oh, well, fun. Kind of and then I, uh, so I went to a, just picked out a place, picked out a 7-Eleven, went in, bought a lottery ticket, and it won a free ticket. I said, I'll come back tomorrow, I'm just around the corner. And I said, no, nah, I'll, I'll just cash it. I don't want to come back tomorrow. I'm standing in line, two guys in front of me. All I heard was one guy say to the other, oh, it was just a wallet. And I looked at the guy. And then I looked at the wallet. It was the same guy whose wallet. Yeah. Hmm. This is in Los Angeles. Right. So, <laughs> you, in the 
again, I'm going to have to move along because I got like nine other people. But so did you, so so you were the angel in that story. All I said was uh, so-and-so. He said, yeah. I said, I'm your angel. There you go. Like that. I gave him the wall. They were all ecstatic, like, oh, this is impossible. How did this? And I just said, no, it was meant to happen. But uh, well, that, I, that, that I accept. You, I wish we had more angels like you, Greg, and I think that's a great story. Um, we'll go to Jeff in Idaho on Coast to Coast AM. Jeff? Uh, good evening. Um, what are your thoughts about Calvinism? I really struggled to wrap my mind around it. Um, Good. And I, I realized probably there's different degrees. No, I hate Calvinism. I'll make it, I'll, I'll, I'll keep that short. I mean, that, I think Calvin designed a world that was right for Calvin, but I think it, you know, it, it, the kind of Calvinism we're talking about is the sort of very hardcore, old school Presbyterianism. Right. right. And yeah. it's, it's all about, you know, whatever it, that we we can't know whether or not we've been saved and um, until the end until, until the, the end, end and whatever and I don't know I, I, he can't know yeah. that stuff and he just that's how he liked to think of the world you know the, the they always say theologians imagine God as just like them but with a deeper voice and I think uh, Calvin is exactly that example. For me, and I realize other people may differ, and I'll have to let them feel that way. Dan is a first-time caller in Alaska on Coast to Coast AM. Dan? Hey, how you doing, Ian? I'm great. Where are you going to take us? Uh, well, you remember uh, when you were talking to Sid- Sitting Bull's uh, grandson, a caller called right. in, yep. and uh, he said that there were many survivors of uh, Custer's battle, and well, you and you and Encyclopedia Britannica said uh, no. Well, no. I what I the whole point was uh, the Battle of Biddle, Little Bighorn, where Custer was. What he meant was like this whole, you know, mili- the campaign around it, and that was different. And so he he kind of well, played it off like like the battle itself. There were many survivors, and that that just doesn't bear out historically to be true and i was glad to hear that ernie backed well, me actually, up on that so actually it, it is well you no, it's you're not i looked it up correct. afterward if you if you drag out the campaign yes i'm no, not but no, that's no, no, not, not well what do you mean by campaign because custer left with six companies he broke two off with uh, yeah i know campaign. i know i know this is an argument that gets made all the time i'm going to leave that up to uh, military historians to define that but we're not talking about the the day that Custer died there. And I understand that there were other platoons that were in other directions, and I get that. But this wasn't what we're really – all we were talking about was, you know, was the, the part where where Custer was and how he died. And, I, I you know, it, other people may want to take it a different direction. That's okay. But if you actually look at the length of time we're talking about, that battle was over pretty fast. Um but you're right. There were other things that were going on in other parts right around there, including troops that did not in, engage and they withdrew. Um, so let's go to James, who's in Rochester on Coast to Coast. James? Hi, Ian. Hey. Hi, my name's James. Um, I was listening. I missed the caller, though, the beginning of the caller of, was it the medicine man they called in? 
No, it was uh, Ernie Lapointe is uh, great is the great grandson of Sitting Bull. Oh, okay. Well, I I visited a the Seneca Nation the other day, and I went out to the grave. Cool. For some for some reason, um, so I thought it might have been a shaman that he might have known. So I went out to see the shaman. I was uh, ran over by a car. No, oh, no. Yeah, something brought me back together. Yikes. And I saw a shaman when I was really at a young age. I'd say maybe 8 or 12. But I don't know if there's any correlation. Me still living and the shaman and me going out to the Seneca no, nation and finding his grave in the middle of the woods. I can't imagine that, but... You know, the, one of the things that I really enjoyed about talking with Ernie about the great-grandson of Sitting Bull was about forgiveness. It was about letting go. It was about living in the now. It was about living your peace and your truth. Um, it wasn't, he didn't have any, and he didn't believe that it was Native American tradition, no matter who it was, that it would be anything other than something good. So, you know, I'll take it from Ernie and we'll leave it there. Uh, we got Rick in Dallas on Coast to Coast. Rick? Yes, sir, Ian. Uh, got to say, I've always loved you on the show there, but I got two bones to pick, and I'll be real quick. Got to be. I misunderstand you all ago when you said basically you believed in soul sleep where you die, you're dead until the physical resurrection, and all the Protestants believe that. Was that what you said? My, that's what the the Calvinist professor in seminary taught us, and I don't, I you know that that's what he said, and insisted that we agree to it too. Yep. Well, let me just say this: you need to get a refund because I grew up Southern Baptist, but I can tell you I've studied it for decades. There's not a Protestant denomination except one that believes, and they call that soul sleep. You know? No, you know they don't. They call it soul sleep. But you know what? This is what I hate. I I, I don't. You got your right to your opinion. I just told the story about a professor in seminary. You want to go yell at him? Go find him. Don't put me in the middle of it. I was just relating a story of what he said, and what I said is what I'll stand by, which is that, you know, there's a million, there's a lot of different versions about what happens after you die. And that's the great mystery. We get to find out about it. And so... You know, I know the Baptists believe they're right, but, you know, that's the Baptist point of view. I get that. And the the Catholics have a different point of view, and that'll be the Catholic point of view. I just, I'm not here to settle that. I'm just merely relating what what we were told in seminary, and I didn't believe it, but that wasn't the point. Uh, that is what was taught as pure Calvinism, however, and that was what he said. Uh, we got one a day who's in uh, east of the Rockies on Coast to Coast AM. Oh, my goodness, Ian. Are you kidding? Am I on? For about 60 seconds. So you make the most oh of it. Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, as I qualified to Tom, I wanted to know if you, as a man of the cloth, had any insight into, like, an alien presence in the gospel. And I'll take it over here. Okay. That- I mean, there are references to things which we would perhaps in our presentism make as an association. I'm not an active member of um, any, uh, I'm not serving actively in my church right now. So uh, I am 
a man of the cloth, I guess we want to call it that. It's more of a man of the loincloth, I think more, but, you know, uh, or man of a handy wipe or something, a paper towel. I I think that um, that's how some people read. If you want to read the Bible for those things, you will see those things. Uh, I don't think that was the intent of the original author to be trying to recount something. I think they would have been more articulate. Um, then Ezekiel saw the wheel. Um, but it's possible, and there are one or two other references that people point to and say, you see, aha. Uh, but this is where the gift of time runs out, just as it's getting interesting, so goes open lines. Going to be some great shows coming. I'm going to take a look at coasttocoastam.com. And if you've got a bone to pick with me, well, then you got to have to wait a month. I'll be back later on. This spring. In the meantime, Deus Tamat, and I do too.